0: Good evening and welcome into the non-negotiable podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here with Pass. How are you doing, Pass? I'm good, Gav. Good, thank stuff. you. Justin's going to be a little late. He's uh, in a meeting to extend Antonio Conte's contract, so he'll be here <laughs> when he uh, he'll be here when he gets it. So no, uh, no, who am I game today? Because the international break, we'll, we'll get back on that next week. So straight into uh, straight into the action of over the weekend no Manchester City game so it was um it was just a good chance for us to build on our on our lead really past starting lineup uh, any surprises there
1: um I, not really actually um i think um i didn't think Jesus would start so it kind of makes sense with Trossard I, I think we were tossing up about holding playing or whether it would Kivi or in um in Saliba's absence, but we all know <clears throat> Arteta likes his right-sided defender, his left-sided defender. So holding seemed to make sense. So it wasn't nothing of surprise in that starting lineup at all.
0: No, I, I actually thought Jesus might start because Martinelli went 120 in the week. But I, you know, with this group of players as young as they are, and especially Martinelli, it just he just seems he's like the road runner. He just keeps going and going and
1: going and yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah, and it, it doesn't it just don't seem to affect him. So I guess there's not much of a surprise there. And Trossard's done well enough <clears> to uh, keep his place to justify it. I you know, I think long term obviously Jesus is gonna come back in and as he should, but there was no surprise that he's he's being eased back into it. First fifteen minutes passed, a little bit disjointed, a little bit scrappy after a European night. We're kind of used to that. Um it took us a while to settle into the game
1: it did it did um i i thought um yeah 15 minutes in i'm thinking oh, bloody palace It's such a pain in the ass especially um over the last few seasons i don't i actually can't remember the last time we beat them at home uh, um so i think even under emery we struggled with them and then they'd uh, beaten us i think there and then we'd had a draw last season so you know i was thinking that feeling that you know maybe not new manager bounds, but we were just looked a little bit off. It wasn't really happening. Um, <clears throat> Saka was seemed to seem to be contained, um, but uh, and then obviously they had that chance that Zaha, um had where he hit it, and it looked like we were going to get a Martinez situation, um, but luckily we didn't, and then it rebounded away.
0: Yeah, and that chance come from uh, Rob Holden actually going into a tackle high up high up the pitch. And he won the ball. And it was a really good tackle. And he just got really unlucky that it bounced to a Palace player. And it left mm. all that space to play into for Zaha. Who I, I thought, really, he had that shot. And then he had the one that went across the box. And he, he didn't have a sniff all night other than that. He spent more time on the floor than anything else, which I, I guess is usual for Zaha. But mm. it, was, um, it was interesting to me that as much as Rob Holding replaced Saliba, Gabriel kind of played the Saliba role and Holding was more Gabriel. Holding was the aggressor. He was the one who played further forward. He was the one that attacked the ball and Gabriel dropped off. I was a bit surprised to see it, but I think it was the right way to go.
1: It, it, obviously, we all know that Saliba is more of um, a uh, silky type of player, you know, um, He's great on the ball. He's got that skill. He's so calm. And Gabriel's more of the aggressive one, the shot blocker. And But I think that's kind of um, <clears throat> giving him a disservice sometimes because I think Gabriel has more to his game than we maybe see. So out of the two, <clears throat> I think the manager thought, well, you know, Gabriel probably has a little bit more on the ball than holding and uh, perhaps is more suited to holding to reverse the roles so he can be more of the... Um, the blocker, the the doing doing the dirty work, so to speak, and leave Gabriel to to kind of fill for Saliba. But um uh whatever it was, it, it did work. It, yeah, it seemed it was... to work from a defensive front.
0: Gabriel's know. got the legs as well, hasn't he, that holding just, just doesn't have like like no. athletically holding just isn't he's just not able to do that. So for Gabriel to be the, the coverer, the the more sweeper like player, if you like, made a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it did. And he's better on the ball as well, I think, than Holding.
0: That's true. But I will say, Holding looked like Beckenbauer at times in this
1: game. Yeah, and and as I said, I make that in a general sense. I don't make that in that particular game because I thought Holding did... He was pretty good in that game. I was very, very impressed with him. Someone who doesn't play that many minutes um, has to come in and fill in a role. uh, No nonsense. Kind of really... Uh, emblematic, uh, um, kind of kind of says a lot about what our team is uh, about, that we have players that might have real peripheral roles, but when they're called to come in, they can do a job. And he really did do a job. I was very impressed with him.
0: Me and Jaz spoke about this last week. Rob Holden is the type of player that will bring you can bring on for 20 minutes in a game. You can start after he hasn't played for three months and he won't let you down. He just comes in, he gives everything, he's very professional. The worry for me with holding is when he has to play two, three, four games on the spin. Because there is going to be a game like the one he had at White Hart Lane, there is going to be that time where he goes up the pitch and he doesn't win it, and he can't get back and it costs you. And I think that's the the scary bit for me. And I'm really hoping Saliba's back for Leeds for that reason.
1: Yeah, it it th- that that is my concern about holding as well. Is I think in the big big games, um, I think we saw it with. Um, I, I unfortunately I didn't see that game, but I'm going by what I was told and what others informed me of. But the FA Cup game against Man City, um, he got a yellow in the first half. I think Arteta took yeah, him off. Yeah, we had to off. take him off at he, half time. Yeah, and he did contain Haaland. It wasn't like he didn't do anything. Uh, But but you could see he gets a a highly, highly emotional in these particular games. So you saw that in the White Hart Lane game, like you mentioned, where he gets a little bit too much involved and it it then worries you because he's then a yellow card away from a red. Um, And I think in those big, big games, you're playing against the very best. So one slip up, you're done. Um, I think it's a bit easier against the motivated Palace team who haven't had a shot on top, who haven't had not came to their game without a shot in X amount of games and can't score. Um it, It's a little bit easier to, to go into that type of game, but I think perhaps Leeds yet, yeah, but I think for sure Anfield, yeah, that is the type of game and no offense to the man, but you really want Saliba back in that one.
0: Yeah. And I don't want Saliba going into that cold either. That's the matter. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that worried about Leeds. If, if holding has to play, I think he'll be absolutely mm. fine in that game. Um, the covering defenders are good enough. Not not that worried about it, but I, I don't want Saliba going in cold at Anfield because we saw what that break did to him for the World Cup, and yeah. I'm just worried that another three four week layoff, and it, it, you know, it's going to take him a minute to get back up to the pace.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's having a scan today. I heard, so I guess we'll get an idea of of what they're anticipating his layoff will be. I know Keep, um said it was several several weeks, but that's that's pretty vague. What What is that? Two, three, four? I don't know. I, I think we'll find out. I, I'm anticipating it to be for the international break. And then I think he could just do one of two things. He either goes straight in against Leeds or he plays maybe a half or 20 minutes or something like that.
0: Yeah, having the five subs really helps with that because you yeah. can... And and you're better off in these scenarios. I remember I remember my uncle always used to say this to me, that he would rather a player who was struggling for fitness start and then come off if he needed to, rather than coming off the bench. Because if he comes off the bench, you've already wasted a sub. You've brought him on. If he has to come back on mm. off, you're you're kind of screwed. But now with five subs, I think it could be even truer because you can start him and if you've got to bring him if you've got to bring him off at half time, if you want to manage his minutes that way. It's not a big deal. You've got four other subs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do, I, I, from what Arteta's uh, said, it, it doesn't seem like it's something too serious. He seems pretty relaxed about it. And that's really where you read between the lines with Arteta rather than what he says. Um, so Tom Miyasu, you read between the lines, it looks like out for the season. Uh, with Saliba, he seemed a lot more relaxed in in how in in his uh, analysis of his injury. So I I've got a feeling that he's he's a couple of weeks or you know or so, and it couldn't come at a better time, could it really, with the international break break, so he does not have to go and play in those uh, those qualifying games.
0: Yeah, well, it, it gives you it buys you basically an extra two weeks because it buys you the week leading up yeah. and the week after. So it's yeah. uh, it is good timing if it's going to happen then this is when you want it to happen. So moving on after that, after the first 15 minutes, we started to settle down. And I thought we started to play some some really good stuff after that. I thought we, were, uh, we really got into the game a bit like we were at Fulham, really zipping the passes around. I thought Partey and Saka in particular had a really ropey opening 15 or 20 minutes. They both gave the ball away. A lot, which is unusual for for both of them, but they really started to get it together, and all of a sudden, that white and Saka pairing down the right hand side was mm. causing all sorts of problems.
1: Absolutely brilliant! Um, it was. Um, it just came to life, didn't it, uh, between those two? Um, and uh, I think you know, Martinelli's goal was twenty eight minutes, so we're probably talking about twenty minutes on. Uh, it it that they started to really work the right-hand side. And that's something Ben White, honestly, is just really, really good at. You can see that it's not just his presence there, but it's his passing. He's a very smart player. He's a smart right-back. He's not just your right-back that tanks down and then, you know, crosses in. He really is smart. And then you've got another smart winger in Saka. And so those two really worked it well. And it started to really open up for us.
0: Yeah, and then Odegaard moves that way as well. And all of a sudden you've got the three of them making these triangles. And at times Ben White's the furthest forward. Then it'll be Saka the furthest forward. And Odegaard flits in and out and just they just pull defenders all over the place. And then little balls in behind. And Ben White's very clever with his runs. And those yeah. little balls in behind, you could just see it coming. And and that's kind of where the first goal came from, with when it, you know, it worked through to Saka in space. He got it across to Martinelli. Beautiful touch and, and what a finish on his wrong foot.
1: Oh, it was brilliant. It was, it was exceptional. And, and that's, you know, another indication of what the type of team we have that Arteta, I put him, I think in a lot of ways, put him on for a reason. Um, That was a taxing um, 120 minutes against uh, sporting. He missed the penalty, but Arteta's thinking is no, we're not going to protect him. He needs to go out. He's a confident young man let him go out and show what he can do and prove to everyone else. That was just a one-off. Um, and that was just exceptional what he did there. And that's a very different Martinelli than what we've seen maybe a year or two ago. Um, and also, it's no coincidence Martinelli's starting to score now with Trossard there and Shaka, Because I think there was um, uh, when, when F- uh, Vieira's had to fill in for Shaka, it just hasn't been uh, the same. So I think with Shaka there and Trossard, Martinelli's now starting to score the goals. Um and I think he's our top goal scorer if I'm not correct. If I am uh, if memory serves me correct.
0: Yeah, he's got thirteen to sack us twelve. Mm. So yeah, it's, been, it's he's he's having a fantastic season. He he really is. He's he's been absolutely mm. phenomenal all year. And I you know, he, like we said before, he's he's just he just plays and plays and plays. He doesn't ever look like he's getting tired. And I thought even when we were bit of a ropey start, I thought he was our bright spot. He was the one mm. that was making everything happen. And, you know, on that right side, we were talking about the way Odegaard, Saka and White combine. Well, we've got the same on the left with Martinelli, Xhaka, Zinchenko and whoever it is that's playing up top, be it Trossard or, or, or be it Jesus, whoever it is that pulls out to that side. And Zinchenko, obviously, he goes everywhere. So he can pop up on the right or the left um, but the, the those players together are really, they're, they're really form a fantastic bunch. And we've got that going all the way across the field at the minute. And we, we really took control of this game, didn't we? We we really had them on the ropes.
1: We did uh, once again, it's, it's, it's been a case with us. But once we can get that first goal in uh, like against Fulham, I think you then start to see the floodgates open, so to speak, because, Teams have to obviously then, uh, the other team obviously has to start being a little bit more uh, adventurous in attack. That opens it up. And then with the players that you just mentioned, they're so tricky to play left or right. It's just the hallmarks of, um, of or just inevitable that we're going to score more goals from that. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah. And the second goal, so the second goal was, all, all about that right hand side again. So again, you're looking at Saka mm. White. You're looking at those one two. Saka's run so clever. White, brilliant ball back across. One touch inside, and Saka side foots it into the bottom corner. We've seen that quite a few times now. I'm expecting to see it a lot more. What a finish? What a player?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've we've spoken many times about him. Um, but it, it was also White's involvement as well. Such a smart little pass he put through to him. Made it a lot easier for Saka, but obviously he still got to hit it, and he did. He put it at the right place, um, and um, and that's that's Bakayo Saka for you. Like you were saying, we didn't think he was really involved in the first fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, but once he starts getting into the game, that's what he will bring us. Um, and I think it was you 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 had said this quite a few times last season. This is this is someone who's going to score. He's going to score. Um, you know he's going to start. He he could get up to Mo Salah kind of scoring records in the next few years. You've already seen now he's the the first Arsenal player of that age. I've been the youngest Arsenal players to get 20 assists and 20 um 20 assists and goals um at this point in the season. He's the first. He's the youngest one too. I think he just beat beats Fabregas, and he's the first player to get 20 goals and assists this season. Um so Harland scored all those goals, but there's not the, the assist is not matching with Saka. So it, it just shows you what what a phenomenal gem he is in this team, um and how important he is for us goals and contribution.
0: He is, and sometimes you have to look at it and you you see uh how uh, lucky you are years and years ago. Um, I mean, I'm going back to nineteen ninety-seven now. Yeah. Someone said to me, actually a, a a Spurs fan, a mate of my dad's said to me, uh, you don't realise how lucky you are right now watching Dennis Bergkamp. He said, to me. He said, I had this with Glenn Hoddle for a few years. When you're watching someone that's the best at what they do, enjoy it. And at the time, I thought, yeah, you're right. And then over the next five years, all of a sudden, we had a carousel of players doing similar things. You know, he was yeah. joined by Pires, and he was joined by Henri and... You know, we had obviously Vieira and you get that same feeling from this group. I think Saka is the, the jewel in the crown, but you've got Odegaard who's performing at such a ridiculously high level. You've got Martinelli and you're looking and you're thinking, Jesus, how high can he actually go? Where is the ceiling? You know, I've said I've said to you a million times, I think we've got two potential Ballon d'Or winners in this squad in, in Odegaard and Saka. Is there a third? I I just I don't know where I just don't know how high Martinelli can go. I, I think the ceiling is just, I, I can't even see it.
1: Yeah. And and I think what you're also seeing, I've said this also a few times, I know nice guys come last, but they're phenomenally nice. Like really, they, you take to them as footballers as well. They're just lovely guys. They're really, really decent blokes. I mean, you see Saka's interview on Match of the Day, um, and you just see what a, what a what a decent human being he is he's someone that you look at i'm sure for any kid who wants to see one what he does on the pitch but what he does outside the pitch there's no I, I never see posturing i don't see diving i don't see antics i don't see him going on interviews talking about um you know uh how you know he's been hard done by and he's a victim nothing like that this kid just gets on with it and it's the same for all of them they all just get on with it and it's just this what real football, when you want to go, we've got a lot of money in our industry, in the football industry at the moment, there's a lot of the passion is taken out of it. A lot of the love for it is taken out by the amount of money that's pumped in and the disconnect between footballers and fans, but these are your quintessential footballers that remind you of when we were younger and we used to go to the Arsenal world of sport and get autographs from these players. Zinchenko, another one, like where we see that clip of him going past the Arsenal fans. I think it was at the Tollington. Yeah. And, you know, that connects with your fans and, and just you can look at them and think, you know what, these are aspiring young kids. You want them to do well and you feel happy to see that but it's it it, it's rare it honestly is rare so we you know we're we're looking at it now and we're just thinking where is the ceiling I don't know where it is because mentality wise it's spot on for their age and I think it can only get better that's the crazy thing about
2: it
0: yeah I'm with you 100% on that um let's welcome in Justin hello Jazz how you doing mate
2: uh, hey guys, uh, sorry I'm late.
0: <clears throat> and all good, all good. We so, just been test. going over the first half and and that. So, so we we took control. We went in. We go into the into the break at half time. Come out and it's it's really more of the same at this point. We're in complete control. I think Xhaka and Party are completely dominating that midfield. And then the third goal just. It really was a peach when it's Zinchenko into Xhaka, first time layoff to Trossard, Trossard gets it back. It was a bit of a funny finish. It took me about five watches to see if it was an goal or if Xhaka got the final touch. But again, we were talking about the way our right flank and our left flanks work. And on that right hand side, we had Wyatt, Saka, Odegaard really giving, giving Palace a torrid day. And on the left, we had the same thing. And that was all of them involved.
2: Yeah, it was a great goal. And, uh I just, I can't sing the praises of, of Trost hard enough. I mean, he's just been an incredible signing. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, it still shocks me that we just signed him in January. You know, he's been, he feels like he's been here forever already and just fits right in so well. Um, but great goal. And it's always great to see Xhaka on the end of it. You know, um, I love when Xhaka scores, <clears throat> it was the end of a pretty good move as well. Um, we're playing the best football in the league. Like, you know, I, 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 I'd tell anybody that. So yeah, great move. Great goal. That
0: pass from Zinchenko that broke the lines into
2: Shaka in the first place.
0: There's not many left backs that are going to play that pass.
2: No, I mean, we have a a gifted number 10 at left back, basically. Um, Some of his passes and I mean, his technical skill is just unreal, especially for, you know, like a fullback. So it's, it's incredible. We're really blessed with, with Zinchenko. We are. And it, when we faced low
0: blocks, we've had a couple of times this season where we, we had some problems. We were looking a bit static. Man, we've solved that problem. The the movement in the front, the breaking the lines, passing from the back. We've The, the low block really doesn't look as much of an issue for us as a couple of months ago. And that's, that's credit to the team, again, for yet another evolution. And we've seen a few of them and some of them have been pretty subtle. Um, And some of them hit you like a sledgehammer. And I think this one's been a little bit subtle, the way the movement's changed. And it's almost a reversion to what we were seeing earlier on in the season with that left-hand side and the way it's been working. And long may it continue because it's been fantastic. The only dark spot on the day is something that's happened a few times recently, and that's a corner not being defended properly. As we had such a great run, defending corners i think we at one point we went like a hundred and something corners without without conceding a goal is it as simple as teams have watched a bit of footage on us and they're changing because of the way we set up is it just one of them things that happen in football and you get these runs what are you seeing
1: yeah it's a it's a tough one because i i it's it's happened a few times i i I would say maybe in this case, if I was going to come up with any argument, is again, it's this drop-off sometimes in concentration that we tend to have. Um, We were leading, I think, at that point 3-0. And I think maybe, again, a drop-off. It was so weird because just before that, um, there was that great moment of Ben White and Shaka embracing each other. um, That was led to the the corner. That, that led that's corner. what I'm saying, so it yeah. led to the corner, so I was like kind of thinking with that you'd probably you'd want to carry that into that corner, <laughs> but it did not happen um i I feel it was just a lack of concentration in this particular one i I think it it's we do tend to see this. We spoke about this before, I know you raised it as a concern that we have got a drop off in the second half because so much is exerted in the first, and we usually have wrapped the game up by and then we scored that third goal, I think just after the um just after the uh the second half uh in the 55th minute. So I, I think that was a lack of concentration. Um because straight after that Zaha went on and had that chance as well. And we just seem to be a little bit um I don't know, seem to be thinking elsewhere or maybe a little bit of complacency. But it is a concern because it was a corner, a straightforward corner it comes in I was hoping it was handball, but no, he he got it on his thigh, and then you know he should not be having that space and that time, really.
0: And it's another; they're another big side, though, and we've we've played some big sides recently where we we've had some problems. You know, Everton obviously beat us with a set piece, and they're they're a big team. So part of it is is that we have we do this half zone or half man marking system, and I do a couple of times Odegaard just gets bodied. By whoever he's marking. Do you know what I mean? Like he just it's yeah. not he's not trying. He just gets bodied. Tarkovsky bodied him for the for the Everton goal. And that's that's what happened again here. And you, you see him, he and, and this is an instruction. He doesn't do this because this is what he, you know, what he grew up doing or whatever. This is an instruction. He doesn't face the ball. When the corner's coming in, he faces whoever he's marking, he puts his arms out and he stands there and faces him. I've watched him do it again and again for every corner. And that's fine if you're built like Granit Xhaka. I think if you're built like Martin Odegaard, you're, when you don't see the ball and you are not getting a running start and your opponent does, you are going to get bodied. That's just how it is. And I I do wonder if that's something they need to look at. But Mikel Arturo is incredibly detail-oriented. And,
2: Steph, why do they keep putting uh, Odegaard in that situation then deep? I don't,
0: I don't know why he's one of the. I, I think it's three man markers, and the others are all zonal. And I do not know why Odegaard is one of the markers. Maybe it's because they don't want him in a zone because he's head in his heading is poor. I, I don't know. Is the honest answer. But if you watch the way we set up from corners, we have three markers, and none of the markers are our big guys. Right, Gabriel. It, it's not Saliba. They're not the markers. They are the zonal guys. They defend spaces. We have three markers who key in on three players. And we do tend to give Erdegaard one of the bigger people. And I just I don't know why we do it that way. It just it is the way we do it. You can see it clear as day. And I'm wondering if they're gonna to have to change that up a little bit because I am wondering if that's becoming a target now. Just because like I said, if you're running, if you're getting a running start at Erdogard, of course you're gonna be out of body. So I'm 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 just wondering if that's gonna have to change. But they like I say they'll be working on that. You know, we we have such a good record from defending corners for such a long time. it's impossible to throw shade at Nicholas Jover because he's done such a fabulous job with a side that have been poor for years from set pieces. We were poor from we were poor defending and attacking for years. I mean, the last the last decade under Wenger was I mean, I used to always say an under-nines team could score from a corner against us those last few mm. years under Benjamin. It was, it was appalling. So I think they'll get this sorted out. It just might take a little bit of time and and Jaz, I think you're right to bring up, you know, is it sensible to stick with Erdegaard doing this job when I think it seems clear that he's not really cut out for it. So we'll we'll see what goes with that. But after that, it's a hard chance that he that he dragged across the goal, um, which which would have been incredibly, incredibly unfair on us because we had dominated this game. And if it had a, we'd have found it at 3-2, that would have been a, a little bit devastating. But we we immediately took control again. And just the fourth goal, what a finish from from Saka. I mean, first off, let's give a little bit of praise to Kieran Tierney, who we've said over and over again on this pod, what me and Paz have, that we, we think this is the end for Tierney. He came on yesterday. I think it was interesting that we ended the game with very much a second-choice back line, um, with, with part of a right-back. But when Tierney came on, I thought he actually looked very good. He looked engaged. And the cutback to Saka for that goal, it's a great pick-out.
2: Yeah, I think for me at least, uh, this goal, not to take anything away from from Saka, but I think it was huge for for Tierney. Um <clears throat> I think he really needed to have an appearance that showed that he he's not just, you know, like a cross merchant. Um, So to get his head up and and pick Saka out there, I think was, was great. He had a, he had a really good showing, I think um, in the game. I thought he did quite well. Uh, You know, I forget how, how fast he is. Tierney's pretty fast when he, when he gets going. Um,
0: Yeah. I was going to say that there was one point where a ball went over the top and, he caught up and and snuffed out the danger, and it it was it was very impressive. I thought he had a, a really good game when he. I mean, you know, the game was pretty much dead anyway, but yeah, I thought he did he did pretty well when he when he came on.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But in you know, Saka, of course, I mean, it was a great goal to hit it one time. You know, when when it showed the uh, the replay from behind him, you know, you could see kind of the bend on it, just out of just out of reach of the keeper. Yeah, uh, it
0: started like six foot outside the post and, and whipped back in.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, great finish, you know, I mean, all the, uh, all our attacking players just adding all these goals, all this end product, uh, it, I mean, it's just, it's been absolutely massive for us, um, you know, Saka again having another multi-goal game, you know, huge
0: yeah massive he's their the confidence is just flowing through these guys at the minute and we we're gonna need we're gonna need that for sure with this this run because we're it's about to get tougher you know there's no no denying that it's about to get tougher so with a confidence flying plan like this I mean all credit to him did you um judge you want to you want to pick someone out for a little bit of extra credit
2: uh did you guys already do one nope you're first up <laughs> okay uh I would definitely say uh my 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 favorite player on the night was um was Ben White, I think. Um he was he was brilliant to me, N- not even just uh, you know, the end product, the assist. And um, but yeah, I thought he was really good defensively. He was he was all over the place. He provides um just such a good compliment to uh to Saka. And of course the assist was was very nice. Um just that like little little reverse back to Saka as soon as he, you know, I was worried it was going to be uh, called for offsides because you know how, how nitpicky VAR has been with us. Um, but I mean, it, it was perfect, perfectly, perfectly weighted. And Saka was right there on the line. I, I really enjoyed Ben White's performance. Um, so yeah, definitely Ben White for me.
0: Ben White was excellent. Know that about it. Pat, you've got uh, anyone you want to throw some flowers to as the kids say.
1: Um, I, I throw a lot of flowers at Saka. Uh, So I'm trying to be a little bit different this time. Um, And and I agree with Justin actually on Ben White, because I would have put him definitely in my list. But just to um, bring a little bit of balance to everything, I I would say holding, um, because I I feel coming into this game, he's come in cold. He's not started for us since, I think, the FA Cup game. Started very few games for us, like we talked about. Um, And um, he came in really composed. He's, you know, you're... You're replacing probably one of the best young centre backs in the world. So you've he come he came in he looked composed he did all he made all the right decisions at the right time. Uh, his defending was superb. Um, so his all round contribution. So I've got to give tip my hat off to him because I feel um, you know he gets sometimes criticised um, for his mistakes and um, but this is a, a real pro. He's a real real pro and I thought he came in and he handled himself very well.
0: He had a fantastic game, and I was really happy for him. And some of his passing, man, I, I, there was a, there was one free kick where he threw it down and took it really quickly, and he pinged it out to Martinelli on the left hand side, and you looked at it and you went, Jesus Christ, who was that?
1: That was Rob. I Hall. know. It's it, it's 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 the hairline. It's the hairline. got it. Whoever. it must be. It's a, maybe it's like a. It's he a turned into Alessandro Samson. Nesta. Sampson. Sampson, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah he, he, crazy. he's
2: just yeah, he really is. Yeah, I will, I will say I was really disappointed. Uh, when when Saliba was ruled out, I saw just a, a ridiculous amount of disrespect towards Holding. Um, yeah, and I was really really sad to see that because That's online for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's obviously um not as good as, as Saliba or Gabriel, but I mean, he's you know professional through and through. You know, like. Like you guys just mentioned, he can come in cold and, and be good. So it's just a real shame to, to see that. I, I love holding, you know. We needed
0: him yesterday, and he stepped up. And yep. I think if we he need did. him against Leeds, he'll do it again. I mean, I'm hoping we don't, but if we do, that's, uh, you know, I saw a few people, Raw Waters he's going to start, and Ben White's going to move into centre-back. Come on, man. Of course yeah. that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, first off, Arteta's not going to change two positions when he could just change one. But secondly... Mm. We're in a title race. He's not throwing an eighteen-year-old kid into the title race when the easy answer is just to bring in Rob Holding. That is Rob Holding's job. He's to cover for Saliba, and that is what Rob Holding did. And I, I think fair play. So, mine, what about you, Gav? Mine's going to be uh, my 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 favourite, Grant Jacker. I thought he had a, a superb game again. And after the missed chances a few weeks ago, to rattle back in with two goals in successive games. I think it's been fantastic. He was the absolute epitome of control. And in that first 20 minutes where we were ropey and Partey was, I don't know what he was thinking. His mind was elsewhere. He was giving the the ball away. It was Xhaka that steadied everything down. Mm. And I think you also saw his leadership time and time again in this game. You mentioned the embrace with Ben White. He had a moment with Zinchenko, the same thing. He was the first man up to Jorginho when Jorginho came on the pitch to tell him what was up. He was the first man up congratulating Martinelli after that first goal. I think he's he's a true leader of this team and he gets some criticism sometimes. Some of it's warranted, some of it's not. But I thought he was fantastic again
1: yesterday. I, 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 I think, honestly, Gav, I think now I, I can't think of any reason why you would criticise him even if he has a bad game because I think he's shown this season and I'm one of those people, I'm sure Justin could speak for himself as well, um, that has absolutely um, taken to the man because I think he's just, he's, he's a real redemption. He could write a book about his redemption at Arsenal where the fans are singing his name but he just seems like a stand-up guy. He's a very honest guy. He, he really goes in and gives it everything. His little moment with his kid, I believe that is what he was doing for his celebration. It also just shows you it's, he's just a, he's, he's a proper human being.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> to go from a uh, you know death threats to his family online and then to have him you know yeah. at the game yesterday it, it was just incredible. I mean, it really is. You're right. I mean, there could be a, a book about this. The Redemption Arc is just beautiful. There needs to be mm. a
0: book. Maybe I need to be the one to
1: write it. I don't know.
2: I think, I think you do, mate. I think
1: yeah. I think you'll write one on Shaka. I'll do one on Saka, and then just you've got any ideas on who you'll do one on?
2: Uh, well, Yaya Sanogo was there yesterday. Um... <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. That's
1: that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Yaya Sanogo
0: story. All right, good uh, first half, lads. Let's uh, let's leave it there, and we'll uh, we'll be back for part two in a minute. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Guys, I just want to touch on something here that's been um, a different view, really, on something that's been very well documented. The atmosphere in the ground is fabulous. I think the Ashburton Army have made a difference. The, The amazing journalist Amy Lawrence has done a really good piece inside the Ashburton army um, using audio and visual and, and it's really a fantastic piece in the athletic. And if you haven't listened to it, then I, I suggest you search that out. Um, but I think it goes beyond that. I mean, I've got friends that I used to go with 30 years ago who are telling me that this is the best atmosphere that they've, they've ever been in over there. And I think it stretches beyond that. You've seen the stadium artwork, you've seen everything that's gone on there I just feel like this might we might be watching the first social media team. Because after every game, every win, the videos being posted, they're coming from all over the world, everywhere. And I've mm. never seen a connection between fans and team or club like this. And it stretches beyond the Emirates. It stretches beyond Island, and it stretches beyond the UK. It stretches beyond, beyond the, the English-speaking world you you're seeing stuff coming out of africa and the u a e and and you know australia and some of the videos are just phenomenal jazz i know you you taking a lot of social media content have you ever seen anything like this before the the almost a movement
2: yeah it is it is really impressive i've I've always liked our our social media team but it does feel even more um what's the, like encompassing you know um it is and it's organic it's fan-led yeah it really is yeah it feels organic and then you know not even just the socials but uh we've gotten uh like a better peek into behind the scenes than we ever have we had the um the uh, academy documentary that came out now they're now they're Mm. documenting uh Gabriel Jesus's return in a little documentary that kind of stuff's just just amazing and they're giving us a better look you know behind the scenes and I feel like involving us more than I've I've ever seen a club do um so yeah I I mean it it is it's 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 created this like close-knitness where everybody feels more involved in 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 this uh amazing season so far. It's broadened the community so much
0: like the Arsenal community now encompasses and me and Pass are expats. We're from Islet and we're both now living five and a half thousand miles away. Yet you're almost as in touch as when you live there. And part of that is down to the club and, and the outreach that they've done. And they've they've put a lot of work into this. And you, you have to credit Vinai, You have to credit Josh. You have to credit Edu and, and Arteta and everyone behind the scenes in what they've done. But things like... The angel being played before games and being a phenomenon, mm. that that's organic and pass. Have you have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, it is crazy.
1: Yeah, it is, and um, I think um, what we're also seeing is, uh, you know, we 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 can speak being from from Islington and from London, but living here in the US. Justin, fine example. I know many friends here who were big Arsenal fans. And we're not just talking Arsenal fans this season. We're talking Arsenal fans at least over the last 10, 15 years. And their knowledge of the club, I'm sometimes ashamed because it's better than mine. They'll know where the kit man is or they'll know, they'll know stuff about the club. And there's an analysis about the way they play. There's a real understanding and and that for me is is partly because of Arsenal's reach. They've obviously reached out, but it's 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 a historical club. It's with tradition, it's with class. It's never been a club, it's not been bought out by a petro state. They've got history behind them. And I think that resonates with a lot of people when they support Arsenal. And I think when they um if you look at what you know, talking here in the US, the the game against United. There's a reason why that was the highest, that was the most watched game of a Premier League, um, of any Premier League game in the history here in the US, right? There's a reason for that. Man United, historical club, but also Arsenal. It's not just because they all wanted to watch United. They're watching the opponent as well. So I think there's a real reach that we've got. I know social media's help. I know there's certain fan um, fan, uh, websites and... And analysis, and we see a lot of it. But I, I just feel from the Arsenal end, it is leaps and bounds above the others. Because I've seen the others as well. I've seen the material from the other ones. It's just not on the same level. And I think I, I, I feel people, also the players. Even if you look at the fans that we have in the stadium, I, I don't, I don't see a club that has so many diverse fans. I don't, I don't see that. Even in the other London clubs, I, I think we have the most diverse fans. We have the most, um, our social media is on point. We've really shored up our connection with the fans. And I think you see that from an international standpoint, especially us here in the US. I think we see it as well.
0: That's another point I was going to raise, Pat. You you raised about the diversity of fans. We've always been an inclusive club. Yeah. Ever since I started going, we've always been known as an inclusive club. You know, Chelsea have got their own problems that they've had for years and it always astounds me when I see certain fans supporting Chelsea and I'm like, how can you support a club with that history yeah. and that fan base? But, yeah. it's you know, we've always been that inclusive club. We've been known as it for years. Obviously, David Rocastle and Ian Wright helped push that forward. does do you feel part of the fan base? And do you feel like if it was another club, it would be a little bit more difficult to integrate? Uh, I
2: mean, as a Yank... <laughs> I, uh, I do. I, and, you know, I mean, I've been following Arsenal for, for a long time now, 20 years or so. Um, but this definitely is, is like the most included that I have felt personally. Um, and I do, I think a big reason of it is kind of the, uh, the outreach and the inclusion that the club seems to be trying to do. Uh, even with the, the banners they put on the Emirates, you know, having, um, all the different, um, you know, fan clubs or supporters groups, uh, logos, you know, that banner that's on the outside. I mean, it's just huge. And it's just little touches like that, you know, that really, you you know, make you feel more involved.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's adding to the enjoyment of the season. It's making this even better. It's making, it's giving it a real unique feeling. But as well, it's setting the club up for the future because for a long time, one of my biggest complaints has been, we're just not marketed very well. You know, you wouldn't even know that we're a side with 13 league titles and a record 14 FA Cups a lot of the time because we don't market it well. We never have. You know, in the 30s, we were the biggest side in the world. We should have capitalized on that. We didn't. The players we've had in the past, you know, in the, you were seeing in the 90s that Man United were selling hundreds of thousands of Ryan Giggs posters and bedspreads and all this stuff. We had Freddie Lundberg and Robert Perez sitting there. We had Freddie Lundberg modelling for Calvin Klein. And we didn't make any sort of use mm. of it whatsoever. And I, I think the club are starting to become a little bit more conscious of that. And I think it's very, very late, but I'm glad to see it's it's at last. It,
1: Do you think it's because we have an international ownership now that that could have? Because, you know, American owners are very known, you know, with their own sports to try and broaden the international appeal, to try and find ways to market. Do you think that has played a part in it? I know it's been a, you know, a recent thing, but maybe that has some impact on it.
0: I think it has some impact on it. And I think it's also, we've been a club historically that are the ownership has always been the old Etonian group, right? The stiff upper lip, the mm. rise above it. We don't need to do that crowd. Um, mm. How often do you see Ferrari or Lamborghini adverts on TV? You don't. Mm. And I think our ownership previously have taken that kind of thing. Why do we need to advertise? we the Arsenal. And I think mm. that holds you back in certain markets. And, and we, are, we don't seem to be doing that now. And we've... For, for years, we can play that. Like our commercial revenue, you've only got to look at our commercial revenue against the other clubs. Clubs that are nowhere near us in terms of stature and their commercial interests are are coming in level or greater than ours. And quite frankly, it's ludicrous. So something had to be done to address that. And I feel like they have made a move to address that now. And quite honestly, I feel like being the Arsenal marketing manager right now could be the easiest job in sports. We've... The way the club is and the partnership, especially with Adidas uh, or Adidas, if you like, for American audience and with the videos they put out and how much people like Ian Wright and Charlie George and Tony Adams are all getting back involved now. It's an easy job.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think also perhaps because I mean, the counter argument is, is that obviously fans and uh, appeal is perhaps in conjunction because of our performances as well so you know we went through what was i hate to call it that but you know what everyone knows is the banter era for like a good 10 years 15 years and we were kind of uh, we were kind of known internationally because of that do you think this is now being more um we're being more we're being recognized more because of our performances as well um that they go hand in hand in that respect
0: that's to be Right, has to be. We're 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 at mm. the point where we could do with an extra twenty thousand seats at the Emirates. We've spent six years with people calling it the empty roots, and looking
2: at banks and banks of empty red seats on TV. Yeah, I I do want to say though, yeah, I mean, of course, the results are going to play a part, but um, I just I look back. You remember the uh uh the the kit with the the white kit with like the highberry veins um. I'd you probably know, we not. Had just, I've Yeah, you remember the announcement video? Was that the Van Persie era? No, 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 no. We're just talking oh. last season, season before last Oh, one. Oh, okay. The yeah, one yeah, that yeah, looked yeah. like a white kit with a nosebleed. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, just look at, like, the announcement video for a kit like that and how much
1: they, they dig through. Idris Elba, wasn't it? Was that uh, the Idris Elba one? Was that the knife crime? Uh, the total white one?
2: No, 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 no. It's the no. one with the... Uh... <laughs> you don't remember they did like the marble veins it was like a black shirt. oh yes 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 but the yes, announcement that. video for it was, was crazy it was very like local and like historical and they had you know writing mm. was in it and and then they did the same thing with uh the, the new right. Bruce banana kit you know they're they're definitely um there's a definite marketing push to uh bring up like nostalgia and yeah the videos uh, are genius aren't they yeah yeah and there's definitely more effort going into it than i see from other clubs you know i mean Mm. way more effort Mm,
0: (laughs) and i think it's all playing in you you've got everything coming together and you've got the fact that we're having the season that we're having you've got the fact that it's a lot of young players and we're always like if you want to get the fans on side announce project youth Any club, anywhere in the world, the fans will back you if you say we're going to go young. Now, they'll only back you until it doesn't work, but that will always get the fans on side. It gets people excited. We happen to have it, and it's working. We've got the most exciting young manager in the game. And all of this is playing out at a club that already had probably the highest online presence of any other club. I think every time they do these stats you know there's a reason why wannabe journalists and 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 you know people who 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 want to be famous there's a there's a liverpool guy who calls us out constantly and people who want to be famous and get clicks it's us they call out and it's because of the the amount of online interaction that you get and this has been years this isn't just this season but i think mm. now you're seeing all that come together and it's all coming together in such a brilliant way. And, and, you know, and in the banter era, as you said, with AFTV and all of that, it was all so toxic. Whereas this is the complete opposite. And it really feels like, I mean, there, there was the whole AFTV get out of our club thing. They've been forced out. They've been forced out. And they've not been forced out by physical attacks. They've not been forced out by anything yeah. other than the fact that no one's interested in that crap anymore.
1: They're, they're, they They've revamped it. And I guess that is they've got a few people on there now who are a lot more insightful and not as well. You can't be aggressive about the way we're playing at the moment. But you're right. They they were basically famous because they had certain people who would come on and just go to town on Arsenal, and that was the only reason they were getting the views. Because if you look at the most views for any of their their their, their main uh, uh, the main fans that would go on there were, were just because they were chastising Wenger or they were chastising the club. But that's not really something you want to go down as part of your part of your appeal, is it? Uh, um, into a very diff- a different kind of model now, it, especially a lot of fan forums. The only thing we're missing, though, Gav and Justin, is to go to um, a stadium and record ourselves watching a game. That's the only thing I'm missing. From Arsenal content, maybe, I see Maybe maybe
0: when we can see the goal or something like that, because <laughs> everyone needs to see your face.
1: <laughs> that is the only thing missing from our content though. I don't see that on there. So I would like to this ask is, a fan This is to what
0: please. I mean. We all know the two <laughs> Muppets you're talking about, right? Yeah. But this is but this is what I mean. Who is watching them? Because I tell you what, it ain't their own fans who are watching it. It's us, and we're watching it, and we're laughing. <laughs> that's right. They're they, right are but they are publicity. Yeah, they are fine with yeah. that, and that's what yeah. AfTV were. And that's exactly I mean, what was I mean, AfTV was doing. You, yeah. you said you said that they've they've changed, they've morphed into something else. I didn't even know. And the reason I don't know anything about them is because it's not being shared on Twitter anymore. Because no, there's no, no one out there finding them videos funny. No,
1: yeah. no, that's that's a hundred percent correct. The amount of views they're getting is far less than what they were getting before.
2: I mean, what do they have to complain about, you know, at this point? I mean, we're, you know, not only on the pitch results, but, I mean, I feel like even our, our back office, we've just got everything in order right now, you know? Um, yeah. It's nothing to really complain about, you know?
0: No, there's not. And it's it, it shut it down. Like I said, it's it's been shut down organically. And I, I think it's fantastic. Mm. And now you're seeing, rather than seeing pieces on the the leeches from AFTV, you're seeing pieces on the guys from the Ashburton army who are, who are creating an atmosphere yes. who are doing incredible charity work behind the scenes. Cause that's part of the membership there. You have to do charitable work. You have to do community work. And I, I just, I think it's fantastic that that's the way we've, we've gone as a club. I just, I wanted to bring that up and I, I thought it was just something I've been thinking about over the last few weeks as, you know, yeah. as the weeks go on and you see more of this, the after game montages, the views from all the different areas of the stadium, the views of people in Kenya supporting Arsenal and showing, you know, showing the celebrations after the Reese goal, the other diet and and all that stuff. It's it's just, it's something that I just thought was worth bringing up because it's it's not something that I've seen before. And I just feel like we're we're the first this season we're kind of the first team that's really being carried along by a social media wave and the inclusiveness that it's bringing I think is 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 just amazing. So yeah. we'll touch on the yeah. uh, the international break now, which I think is. You couldn't. Uh, all international breaks are stupid. I think all all three all three of us agree on that. Um, we'd all like to see the end Fan of international,
1: international football. football. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I, I don't see the point uh, of it. We're now getting players from everywhere playing for every team. You're getting foreign managers in charge of sides. What's the point? I, I don't see Eric's nation versus nation when the team's Danish, but half of them come from somewhere else. The manager comes from France. I, I, I just I don't know. It baffles me. It's just mm-hmm. a random collection of players at this point. But anyway, I digress. So moving on from that, as far as bad international breaks go, this is about the best we could hope for, I think. We're going into it with an eight-point lead. We come out of it with a home game against Leeds before we have to go to Anfield. All our Brazilians have been left at home. Hopefully, Big Billy Saliba's going to be fine, and this is just going to work out as a, as a little break. Zinchenko, we're always worried about. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but he only plays one game. It's at Wembley, and their their training camps in Brentford. So, so, so Alex ain't got far to ain't got far to go. So, I think it's you know, just as far as international breaks go, this is about as good as they come.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, we're in a pretty good situation. The only one that I'm I'm I've kind of got one eye on is uh, uh, Thomas Partey with uh, with with Ghana um, they have two games against uh, Angola one at home and one having to travel to Angola and you know just with his recent history that one makes me a little nervous but I think you know we're in we're in really good shape everywhere else and the Zinchenko one's a good point you know um, him being so close not having to travel far is is, is great um, one thing though about you know starting to get really good uh, like I'd say we are right now is we are going to have to deal with inter- international breaks a little bit more. I think, uh, y- you know, the the club hasn't really had that many players having to travel, you know, in, in recent seasons. And um, so I think we're going to start seeing that more and more, uh, you know, a- as we get better. So for
0: sure. And, and past next year we've, with- Being back in the Champions League, and I think it's safe to say now that we will be in the Champions League next season, seeing as we've already got the same amount of points as last year when we were what a point Mm. off, and there's 10 games to go. So, being in the Champions League, people are talking about bigger squad, bigger squad. The way I see it, there's going to be less games to go around.
1: It's um, that that is that's right, and i um, I'll oh, just going back to Justin's thing. Other players, Saka, I, I worry for him because I think England use him a lot more, um, and and they're in that they're actually uh, competitive. their um European Championship games. I think one's Italy, uh, so I'm not I'm a bit worried about that to be honest. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think the squad thing is 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 interesting. I think for next season. My main concern about the squad is just improving quality. It's not so much quantity. It's the quality that we have. Uh, Because in the Champions League, we can't rotate um, the way that we would in the Europa. Um, So whoever's coming in or filling in, or if we have to do it, we've got to have a real similar quality level uh, than than we did before. But that's correct. Yeah, I think... um, that we will see less of those games, but um, but the quality level will be of a higher standard because we're going to be in the top European competition. It feels so weird saying that after so many years not being in it, and we used to complain when we used to be in it because we'd always finish fourth, and now.
0: Well, I tell you, I tell you a little secret. When uh, the very first year that we were out of it, I actually said, you know what? I don't mind going in the Europa League for a year because I'm sick of getting beaten 5-1 by Bayern Munich in the round of 16. So give me a competition we can win for a year and then get back in the Champions League. It <laughs> didn't quite happen, Pass. We seem to have uh, lost Pass for a second there. Jaz, we'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll move on to you real quick. It's going to be good to get back in the Champions League, though, isn't it? I mean, even though the toll is definitely going to be is definitely going to be greater it's uh it, it's going to be great to be back there
2: yeah and I, you know I felt the same way as you did about the Europa League um you know after after performing in the Champions League for so long it really did feel like something we could just uh you know go in there and, and, and win and uh you know it's 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 a tougher composition competition excuse me than it gets credit for but uh yeah I'm 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 hyped for Champions League. I can't wait to hear that anthem again and start having, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday night games and uh, there's something just like so uh much more epic about the Champions League. You know, the the evening games, well, at least for us and um yeah, I'm excited beyond belief for it. It's 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 just it's been too long, you know. And it's it's something that it's something that's going to
0: feel different. This time, I think it it felt the very first time we got back in the European Cup back then was ninety one, ninety two, and we beat Austria Vienna six one at home. Smudge got four that night, and I, uh, I went. Well. Me, me and my granddad went, and it was that was my first ever European game because obviously we were banned from eighty five to to ninety. Um, so our my first experience of European football was that night and it was sensational and then one of the worst I've ever felt was after the next round against Benfica when Benfica. yeah when Isaias scored two in in injury time and and knocked us out and and I felt awful that night and I, I really you know it's one of them things looking back where we as a club we've got a poor record in Europe a poor record it really is a blight how badly we've performed in europe over the years and i i really i really think had we have been able to go into the european cup in 89 90 after we won the league at anfield i think we'd have won 91 92 because i think george Graham needed that one go to feel it out mm. he's he, he, you know he's the best tactician that i've you know i, I love what arteta's doing right now but if you're going to tell me there's one game and you've got a group of players with David Hillier, Steve Morrow, Ian Selly, You know, you got you got one game to coach for your life. I'm I'm taking George Ram in a, in a one-off tactical scenario, and I I feel like if we'd have had that go at it in '89, '90 when we should have done, I think '91, '92 we we may have ended up we may have ended up winning it because you give him a couple of goes at it, I think he would have got their pass.
1: I, I do. Uh, I, I think it, uh, this season, next season will be interesting to see because it will be the first time in the Champions League after Wenger, uh, a new manager, which is not Arsene Wenger. I felt that the problem we had towards the latter end of the Wenger reign was that we were just in the Champions League to be in the Champions well, League. We weren't
0: competitive, were we? I mean, let's be honest. No, we um, were not. We were not. I would say oh you know. seven oh eight. Was probably, I mean, I guess you could maybe say you could maybe say 2010, but I think 2008 was the last time we really went into that that competition, thinking maybe we could win it.
1: When we played Liverpool, right, and Theo 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 did that run, yeah that that we we were pretty good that season, but we from then on we just weren't competitive. We were we were losing. uh, I mean, even uh, what was the year? Was it 13, 14
0: when when United beat the shit out of us? At the Emirates was the that the, yeah,
2: the Kieran Gibbs slip he the, slipped you know, in Ro- that's Ro- Ro- Rooney right Tempest, and Ronaldo's Ronaldo free
0: just, kick they just ripped us to pieces that yeah them. and yeah. Um, but even that year I th- I never thought we could I never thought we could win it and then like I said the latter years it was just are, are we going to get fumped by Barcelona or Bayern in the round of sixteen you know even when yeah. we were finishing top of the group somehow Bayern or Barcelona would manage to finish second just to play us and. <laughs> but it was yeah. it, there was never a point where I thought well we can we can beat these teams we went into them games and I, I I didn't think we were going to go through i'm telling you next year whoever we go up against i think we've got a chance i, I really do well, this, think we're going to have a chance this
1: yeah this is where a declan rice is important because as much as we love party in that midfield when you have a declan rice you basically have two like for like players you have two players That you can just toss a coin and say, well, we'll play this one, and you won't really see a difference in the performance of the team. That's why the signings that we make in the summer period in terms of bolstering the squad, but they have to be of a quality that can perform in the champions league because we won't be we won't have like you rightly said in terms of the we can't play the peripheral players that much we can't play the youth players that much but i think our style of play i think the manager that we have i think the way that we play is perfect for europe i think we can go in there and really i, I think we can be amongst the best teams um as to whether winning it i don't know but um, I absolutely feel we will go in there and we will compete. It won't be like um, the uh, the Wenger era towards the latter end when we were just getting thumped. And all all it was, I think, a lot of the issue we had at that time was we were qualifying for the Champions League. It's great to be in it, but we were just qualifying to get the money, and that was it. We weren't. Re- we never really felt that we were going into any of those games of the Champions League against the the tough opponents to actually stand a chance. It sounds. Really harsh saying that, but that's how I felt when I used to watch us this. this time, though, winning the league. And we can go in there, and uh, I, I believe we're going to be one of the best teams and one of the difficult ones to beat. Uh, and we just need to lock in those players, uh, that, that are our most, our highest performing players. We need to lock them into long term contracts so, um, we can really go in there and, and give it a shot.
0: Yeah, and that brings us nicely onto another part because I didn't expect that to end up as a referendum on. Oh, no. On our chance in the Champions League, that kind of just took a turn on me. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that brings us, the contract thing brings us on nicely to another part here. We've obviously you know we know that the Saka deal is apparently agreed in principle and and will be announced soon. We're hoping that Saliba gets done, and then the next one up, Juz, is uh, is the captain. It's, it's Martin Odegaard. He's contract. Runs out in 2025. That's only two seasons from now. There was a report from a completely unreliable website that I can't remember the name of saying that uh, the talks had started and that the length of the deal was 2030, which would be which would basically be a five-year extension on the two years that he's already got. I, I, I can't really believe that's true, but it is important to get this extension with him now down, right, even if it's still 2028
2: uh yeah absolutely crucial I mean you know he he wears the armband but I mean he's just the the perfect touch of class in our midfield you know um we've used the term several times the conductor I mean uh Odegaard's very important to what we're doing and and you know I'm not even worried about that contract really uh he said multiple times how this is the most comfortable he's felt you know in his career he's glad he's settled somewhere he's not going out on loan every year. I think even if, if we, you know, there's some other clubs that are showing interest, I feel really confident that we're just going to be able to get him tied up. And I think, you know, it looks like he loves it here. And, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I mean, how, why would you want to walk away from, from, from this group right now, this manager, you know, when we are talking about how we'll be a threat to pretty much any club in the champions league, you know I mean? We're, we're a great fit for each other.
0: And the way he's growing into that leadership role, I think he is a. a, a... Even if he plays it down, I think he is a natural born leader from <laughs> a teenager. he's been the best player everywhere he's been people have looked up to him i I think he is a natural born leader, and you can see the confidence growing in him now he's so into it and he is so his interactions with the crowd just they just make you smile pat
1: mm, yeah he he's um I I Justin raised a really good point there. I think for the first time as an Arsenal fan I feel very very um secure about us tying in a lot of our star players and that that was never the case again going back to the you know the previous regimes especially the latter end of the the Wenger one, where you never felt that, our, you know, Lexi Sanchez. Okay, I'm not. I won't give Urzel as an example because he signed the contract. But I mean, if you look at Alexi Sanchez, and then before that, Nasri, Fabregas, Van Persie, or... yeah, they all all left um, because I think they saw something in in the team um, that there wasn't a progression, there wasn't an investment, there wasn't a. Um, a plan, so to speak, and, I and think let's the, be fair, the,
0: guys... We weren't competitive with salaries. Let's let's no, let's, no. let's lay it out there. We weren't. You know, everyone no. was aghast and disgusted at Ashley Cole nearly crashing his car over fifty-five grand a week instead of sixty. But I think when you look back at it, we were all a little naive back then. And when you look back at it, and you're, you know, for me, as as much as the Ashley Cole hate was real. I do find myself looking back now and looking at the club and going, you let the best left back, certainly in the world at that time, possibly the best left back that's ever lived. You let him walk away for five grand a week. In the words of John Henry, what are you smoking at the Emirates?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And David Dean has even come out and admitted that, that that was a big mistake. Um, I think the Ashley Cole, I um, was more towards his book rather than the fact that he did do what he did, the fact that he just came out with a very nice well, comment went. of. It was where know, he yeah, went, where he went he, but also. And they
0: were just saying, throwing oh, money I, at everybody. You know, it was the old David Dean thing, they've parked the tanks on our lawn and they're firing 50 pound notes at us. That yeah. was the problem.
2: Well, and we I don't Gallagher see that too. with.
0: Yeah, getting Gal <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that the wound, wound. So it you know,
1: was. Horrendous, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But I think this this season, I think what we're seeing with these group of players is one, they're part of this project. They're seeing how much the team has improved with them in it. Um, all of them uh, are playing a big part. They're in a happy place. They've got a manager that you, they can see they play for him. I, I, I just don't feel so on edge about renewal of contracts with any of them. Uh, Saliba is the only one, a slightly... Apprehensive just purely because he only came in this season and then he was aware and there was a little bit of, I think there were a little bit of problems during the initial years with him. But I would think even with him, I mean, you look around and you see how your your career is now at a great point. Plus, you're in a team that's champ- that is actually competing for the Premier League title. So we're not talking going for Champions League anymore. It's actually Premier League. You look at all of that, Odegaard's captain as well. Odegaard's, you know, what, what kind of your captain of one of the greatest football clubs in the world. So I I feel all of these things just adds you adds a comfort level to your feeling of them renewing it. So uh, I'm I'm with Justin on that. I don't feel I don't feel too too on edge about all of it.
0: Yeah, I agree on I agree on all those points really. I think they're all they're all salient points, and it's just it's just another illustration of where where we've got to and where we are going as a club, and I think it's really the next few years. Just they just look so exciting because this team is nowhere near its apex. You know, we were we were saying earlier, Paz, about you know where is where is Martinelli's ceiling like right now? Where I thought his ceiling was, he's already blown mm-hmm. through it, and I I don't know where his ceiling is. And I think you can say that about about the entirety of this of this team, really. Uh,
1: yeah, look at uh, Saka, wouldn't you? I mean, besides Harry Kane, wouldn't you say he's probably one of the most important players for England at the moment? I'd I think he's say England's.
0: That. I think he's England's best player by a mile, including Harry Kane.
1: I, I go back to it a few times, but the France game, we playing They were playing the World Champions at that time, the team that got to the final, and he was absolutely running the show. Uh, Which makes so it even I,
0: more bizarre that Ben White doesn't get called up. I, to me, I, I, I think yeah. Saka is England's best player, and they need to do everything they can to get the best out of Bukayo Saka. Just how can you get more out of him than playing Ben
2: White behind him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. You know, they've had uh, great chemistry. You know, they they dovetail really nicely. Uh, shocking to me. You know, uh, I mean, you know, you guys are are English, so I'm, I'm sure you you follow more closely than I do. But it just seems like Southgate's. Uh, you know, got his got his favorites, and and that's kind of you know that's that.
0: Yeah, and even you know even, I wouldn't like. I don't think Ben. I don't think Kieran Trippier is better than Ben White, for example. But even if he was, I think just to get White and Saka together,
1: pass doesn't that seem like the sensible, sensible move? It does. Um, the thing is, it's a, you know, if you look at uh, going back, Justin could obviously understand this as well. But like the Dutch teams, the good Dutch teams of the past, they were all based on what Ajax more or less, yeah. and they all played together in a system. So I think if you've got players that are at the moment at right at the top of their game, they have good synergy between them. Um, why wouldn't you want to incorporate that into the national team? But I think also going back to why Ben White he left for whatever reason it is. From from what the rumours suggest is he it's something to do with the, the coaching staff at the England one. He yeah. probably looked at our, he probably looked at the Arsenal probably looked at the England setup and thought what kind of shit is this that I'm being taught. <laughs> And I'm I'm here at Arsenal and look at the level and the standard that I'm being given here uh, in terms of coaching and training. And then I've got this bullshit. What's the point? And I'm on the bench anyway. That's yeah, probably if, what he was thinking. He thought, well, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to where I feel happy. And, and if, you know, and if Ben White's
0: fine with it and it seems like he is, then I'm happy with it. Because the less of our players playing international football.
1: You can never tell though with Ben White, can you? If he's happy, no. but no,
0: exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's no good watching him give an interview on it. That's for sure.
1: So.
2: I love his interviews though yeah. Uh, yeah. with
1: Yana Agafiotov; they're the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: All right, guys. He's got to be one of my my favorite current players right now. I really yeah, like, he's his, like. He's just, he's you know, brilliant
0: as a character. He's 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 phenomenal as well as a footballer, but just his yeah. character. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. highly amusing. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's end it there, um, and we'll uh, we'll be back, we'll be back later in the week for another little pod. Maybe we we'll look at how uh how our guys have got on in this pointless international football. Um, so, uh, it's right. Cheers, good night from me. Good night,
1: guys. Good night. Good night, everyone.